All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Speculative Work. I'm James Osarin, and this is my author's diary and podcast about things I've learned, mistakes I've made. So hopefully you don't make them too. Uh, this is going to be the last episode of Speculative Work. And <laughs> I only went into the general uh, intro because, you know, if you're listening and this popped up on your feed, thank you. And you might immediately wonder, like, what's going on? This makes no sense. Uh, I am not transitioning away from this kind of podcast. I'm just changing the name. <laughs> and speculative work is going to become Marathon Author. Why would you do that, James, you might ask? Um, well, because speculative is hard to say, and I've learned that over time. Um, but I also wanted to broaden the scope of what the podcast is. And I, I do want to keep doing an author diary and checking in in a consistent way. Um, that's something I'm going to talk about in this episode. But I wanted to also have something that is not just focused on science fiction, not just focused on fantasy, things like that. I could talk with other authors and other genres, do interviews, focus on the industry, on being creative in general. I debated even making it Marathon Author. Maybe Marathon Creative is a better thing. But um, MarathonAuthor.com was available, and that's what I have. <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm going to run a marathon anytime soon, but I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to throw that out as a possible goal. <laughs> Okay. Um, again, if you if this is popping up in your feed and you're still subscribed, thank you. I know it's been a long, long time. And there's a number of reasons for that. I think, you know, the last episode was definitely in 2019, I think. It might have actually been summertime of 2019. I should probably go back and listen, but I cringe a little bit when I think of doing that because so much has changed in my life. And this last year has definitely been a time of change. It's been good, but it's also meant a lot of lessons in figuring out, you know, how to work, how to kind of live a, a completely new lifestyle that is just different than the way that uh, me and my family had been living before. So as far as updates go, the, the big change is that my regular full-time job ended in February and we've been at home since then. I was fortunate that I had a series that was already in the can and coming out from Variant Publishing, and that was the Galactic Law series. And I think when I I was talking about that, maybe um, when the last episode came out, but that's just been a big change. So um, that series was written, went through their publishing process, which is uh, really just on point. Like they've got a really strong editorial team. They have a really good idea of what their audience wants. And I've learned a lot from working with them. It's actually been a really great experience. And so most of, you know, the first, or I'd say three quarters of 2020, now that we're in November, was just all about galactic law. So it's a four book series. It was tied into the Renegade Star universe, which uh, if you haven't read Renegade Star, it's a lot of fun, and I want to say there are some 14 books in that series. They're shorter, so you can tear through them pretty quickly, but um, they're just fun. And it's funny, when I, when Jeff Cheney, who the author of uh, Renegade Star and also the owner of Variant Publishing, when I was talking with him about you know potentially writing something in his universe... I think it hadn't really settled in like the level of detail that they actually have in their world building. And so it just turned out to be a lot more challenging than I expected. And it took a little while to settle into that. But I'd say by 
by book three, things were locked down. Um, and so, yeah, it was a good experience. The last book came out at the end of June and then the audiobook uh, version. So Podium did a publisher's pack for books one and two, and that came out in August. And the second publisher's pack, books three and four, will be coming out this month in November. And those were narrated by Tim Taylorson, who did a, a really great job. I'm so pleased with the way they came out. And it's just really fun to see the aspects of the characters that I didn't even envision when I was when I was writing. So it's been it's been good. I've been incredibly lucky that way. As far as COVID goes, obviously, you know, we're in the still in the midst of the pandemic and depending on where you are, it's, you know, better or worse. Oregon has been relatively, uh, you know, not as affected as other states. So even though we have taken all the precautions, being at home was really good. Um, I live with folks that are high risk and including a toddler and she's a little Petri dish. It's really difficult to get her to, I mean, it's funny now that we've taught her to wash her hands, she will wash her hands, but, um, it's taken time. <laughs> and the, the hardest thing is having a toddler at home that we can't take out to like, we can go to playgrounds, but we can't go to the different play areas that we used to go to. And it's so sad because if there are kids, the kids immediately want to play together. And it's very difficult to, you know, drag a child away from that. Not that I've, I've done that necessarily, but it's just, it's been hard. And it's while I am feel, feel incredibly lucky to have been at home it's also been hard to work. Like one of the things that I was doing from, I think I started building my office in December of last year. And then I'm still kind of working on the detail stuff. Um, the walls are, you know, it's a building. I've got all my stuff in here, but the, uh, I'm still working on the outside painting. I'm doing some work on, um, exterior soffits and things like that. Just, you know, small stuff. But at the time, it seemed like that would be a really good option because I could just leave the house, come outside in the backyard and work. But that wasn't accounting for the fact that my daughter, you know, intrepid little explorer that he, that she is, loves to come out and knock on the door and see what daddy's doing. And it's the cutest thing ever. I love it. But it also can make it difficult to focus sometimes. So another lesson learned. And because I can't necessarily go places and work, um, I could, but we just choose not to. It's that's been a challenge and it's taken some getting used to. And that's something I want to spend some time talking about across the next few episodes is the process of learning to work totally differently than I ever had before. I have been a person who have worked externally. You know, my first job was actually in an Italian restaurant when I was 15 years old, working as part of a team with customers. That's something I'm, I'm good at. Uh, even the, the positions I had in my, in my last job were very service oriented with, you know, teams serving groups of people and working at home by myself has been a challenge. It's been a big challenge. And I've been really fortunate that this year, you know, I had money coming in, so we've been okay in that respect, but the rubber is starting to meet the road as far as like producing new work. And as I go into 2021 and we'll need to have, you know, I'll talk about that. I've got some new contracts I'm working on, um, or will be working on it's, uh, it's a challenge. And so, so yeah. Um, but it, otherwise we're, we're doing good. Um, the podcast has been, I recorded two episodes of this podcast and they got either like lost on a hard drive. In one case I had it on a like audio recorder that I had used. I actually went into a local radio station where I volunteered and was able to use a sound booth because I couldn't get time to myself 
recorded it in the sound booth, went and ate lunch, and somewhere in the midst of eating lunch, the audio recorder I was using, I lost it. And I, I don't lose things. It was so weird. It was like somebody was telling me that I wasn't supposed to publish the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> so it's taken a while to get um, get back into the, uh, the swing of things. And it's something that I've known I wanted to do. It's just... I don't know. You got to make yourself do it. And one big lesson that I, I think that I'm learning about myself in this year is that I thrive when I have a lot of things to do. Um, I think of myself as a high performer, at least I was at my previous job. And when I don't have a lot of things to do, it actually feels like I get less and less and less accomplished. And it's kind of like a, it just peters its way out. And I don't want to do that. So I'm kind of starting this, you know, recording this podcast is kind of a, stepping back into having a really packed list of things that I, that I'm working on. So yeah, um, that's going to be transitioning. Um, other things that have changed, let me, uh, take a look at my notes here. Um, I do have two, two writing contracts that I'm, I'm working on series four. One is with variant I'm working on. That's uh Jan Cheney's company and I'm still working on a, a new series for them. And then I also have a contract with Athon books for a series that should be coming out late next year. And so balancing these two things is also a new skill that I'm having to pick up. I've talked to a lot of people about different methods they use for that because, I mean, realistically, if I don't do the project simultaneously, it'll be okay. But I would really like to figure out how to do these projects simultaneously so that I'm not um, having big gaps in my productivity. And so that means working on one project in the morning and one project in the afternoon, which I've done before. Um, but we'll see how that turns out. I'll, I'll keep you posted on it. Um, yeah, that's kind of it for the, I mean, as deep as I want to get into the update right now, we've just, we've been okay. It's just, it feels like this year has disappeared. Like the days go so fast. And I don't know if that's part of being at home, being in a time when everything is just upside down, but it feels like the, this year has just disappeared. And as much as I try and focus on trying to slow things down and be more mindful about things, I still blink and the day is gone. So <laughs> I've been really focused on to-do lists because if I can look back on the to-do list and see the things that I did, it's like, oh yeah, I did actually accomplish things during that day. It wasn't like I blinked and Tuesday became Thursday. So, so yeah, it's just, it feels like a weird time. And I don't know if it's because of it being a weird time or the new, the new way of working, being at home, um, being self-motivated, but that's been a, a big change. And so the main thing I wanted to, the reason I'm re jumping into the podcast is trying to reestablish some consistency in my own workflow and doing the podcast on Mondays, which is when I plan on recording, I want to make that part of my weekly workflow to also be able to look back on what I did for a given week and have some personal accountability and accountability to to you as you're listening to me and checking in. And I still hope that, you know, folks listening to this podcast will get some benefit out of what I'm talking about. Sometimes it does feel like I like I don't want to just sit here and blather. I try and share things that I think are are useful. And when I was working, it was incredibly valuable to me to hear people that were in the place where I sort of imagined myself being in the future and learning about their challenges, learning about how they reached that place or how they felt about it. Um, 
you know, recently the Career Author podcast came to a close, or they're actually transitioning to become uh, writers. They were Writers Inc. Now Zach Bohannon is going to join Jay Thorne um, in the Writers Inc. But I really enjoyed that the Career Author podcast because they they hadn't been writing full time very long, and they were really I felt transparent about the challenges that come with you know having families, being solopreneurs in a way or entrepreneurs that are basically depending on their creativity to support their families. And that's a challenge. I mean, I have felt that so deeply um, this year where the ability to make money in the future is based on my creativity today. That's hard. (laughs) And, And there have been times I've had dreams where in the dream I had a job again and I felt this immense sense of relief that I was like, Ooh, um, you know, the savings aren't going to run out. Um, we'll be okay. Like there's, there's more income coming in. And so that's, that's a different, it's a different mindset than I've been used to. And I know that it's going to be better. Like ultimately things will be more resilient. Things will be more stable because one of the things I've learned about when a job comes to an end, um, is if you don't have another income, you know, source lined up, uh, what are you going to do? You got to find another job. (laughs) And at least I had other income sources coming in. So that was good in that respect that we're, we've been okay, but, um, it's just still a pressure that I was not quite used to. So doing something consistent, I think it's valuable to an audience to do something consistent right now. If you are not a person who wants to tune in to news, then, um, that's probably better for your mental health, but (laughs) I I like podcasts sometimes because they feel like they're outside the cycle of everything else. And so you can get a glimpse into other people's lives and how they're doing and um, things are still fine. It's like talking to, uh, you know, to friends and whatnot. So, so yeah, that's why I'm, I'm restarting this again is to help with my own sense of consistency. And I know it's important. I want to talk about it some more later on when it comes to continued success because I have been inconsistent. And I need to commit to being consistent about things like this podcast, newsletters to um, my email list, even social media, things like that. Like I'm just not good at consistent marketing and I need to get good at it. And not to say this podcast is marketing because I'm not talking to a readership audience. At least I don't think of it that way. Um, The person I imagine I'm talking to is like myself back in 2013 when I was still thinking about what it would be like to be writing full time or just wanting to write and tell stories again and, and even wonder like what, what that means exactly, you know, cause I, I've, I've been thinking about that quite a bit as well. So, so yeah, um, I had, I can't remember who it was that said, you know, most authors productivity goes down when they start, uh, when writing becomes their sole occupation. And I have definitely experienced that. So I'm going to try and come up with some strategies to keep my productivity up and just do that, you know, run that marathon. It's all about consistent, steady progress on a day by day basis. Like for me, at least I can't, I can, I've done it. You know, I can write 10,000 words a day. In fact, I've on one project recently, I I wrote as much as uh, 15,000 words in a day. But that's not the way I like to work. I'd really prefer not to work that way. And it has a tendency of overshadowing everything in your life if you're if you're really worried about hitting those word counts all the time. I would much rather be able to consistently do 3,000 words a day every day. And and then that's only like an hour and a half of, of being creative. So yeah, I'll keep you posted on that. 
But the main thing I wanted to talk about, and the real reason I want to get this episode out today on the 2nd of November, is because healthcare.gov has opened back up. And if you're in the U.S., and especially if you're self-employed or you're thinking about being self-employed, healthcare.gov is a big part of your life because that's the marketplace where you buy health insurance. And health insurance is one of the biggest things that stressed me out when I thought about leaving my job or my job ending um, was what am I going to do for health insurance? And I put a lot of study into how the marketplace worked, what the different plans, how they worked. And it's not it's not completely scary. You just need to, to get a handle on how it works. And healthcare.gov allows you to there's a budgeting tool where you can go in there and enter in kind of your circumstances and it will give you an idea of what plans are available and what they would cost. You can also just start an account. And the things that you need to know that make it difficult are you need to have an idea of what your income is. And this is the hard part. So it all depends on by state as well. I'm in Oregon and Oregon did the expanded Medicaid. So Oregon has more options. I'm going to say a lot of options, but more options for the plans that you can purchase. But you have to have an idea of how much money you're going to make per year because that depends on how much of a subsidy you'll get. And that's what determines your monthly premium that you'd be paying for any given any given plan. You also need to know if you're, you know, if you have a family and your family already has primary care providers, you need to know who those doctors are and any medications that folks are making um, or you know, illnesses you might, might be living with or things like that. When you go into the budgeting tool or even to, you know, set up an application, it asks you because you can enter in like the doctor, the medication, and that helps you compare plans to see, you know, which plan would provide you with better coverage. The other thing to look at is if the plan is HSA, health savings account um, eligible. And what an HSA is, is a tax, uh, it's an untaxed account. So basically, if you're self-employed, you can put money into that uh, that account and you don't pay taxes on it. And then you can use the money out of that account to pay for medical services. So um, dental appointments, your co-pays, your, you know, things you need to pay as far as your, your health insurance services. It depends on if you're a family or an individual, how much money you can put into those accounts. And there's a max you can put in every year. And I get a little frustrated with the concept of the HSA because it's a reti- it's technically a retirement vehicle. Like you can put money into that account and it will accrue, um, you know, interest over time. But the whole point of it is to use that for uh, health services, right? So <laughs> it feels like there's some kind of really subtle incentives to get you to not actually seek out um, health care. <laughs> and this has been a big change for my wife and I. Um, I had a pretty, you know, a relatively like low key year. I didn't need to go to the doctor for anything, but we had some issues come up with, uh, with my wife and going to the doctor and I had to really make her go to the doctor. Like it was such a different, like healthcare became so much more expensive because we didn't have the employee funded healthcare that we used to have that when that bill shows up later on. And for like one thing we had, it was $2,300 because we hadn't hit our um, deductible cap yet. That's like, woo, wow. Um, but if when you look at the plans, it'll give you that deductible max per either individual or per family. And for us, like for an individual, it was $7,000 a year. For a family, it was 13000 
And basically what that means is you need to budget $7,000 that you've got to help cover those um, those healthcare needs. So that $2,300 that we paid, um, that was just part of that money. Like that's what I needed to budget for the year. And there's a strong incentive for people not to go to the doctor because of things like this. Like they don't want to pay for that. And so that's been kind of a, a thing to get get used to. But this is the stuff you'll want to look at. And you'll want to adjust, you'll want to compare. The different plans, uh, you know, they go by bronze, silver, or gold within my income bracket. I was pretty much looking at the the bronze plans, which are the high, those high deductible plans. But those are the only ones that are H, were in my area were HSA compatible that offered that. The silver plans tended to have a higher monthly premium that you would pay. But they did not offer HSAs, although they often have a lower deductible, but that deductible was still around $3,000. So like for us, we would have barely hit that deductible cap and we would have been paying more per month. I don't know if the care is better. That's one thing that's hard to compare. Um, At least for us, there are only three insurance companies in our area that even offer services. So I don't think they're going to be that much different based on the plan that you get. But that's one thing I might not be... Like, I just can't tell you what that, how that might work out. Um, one thing about the premiums is those are deductible as a business expense. So, you know, but it's still going to cost you money. So if you're not making money, it could be in your best interest to go with a high deductible plan with a lower monthly premium and then just pay for your services as you go. One thing about, you know, we going into 2021, we're actually going to end up with three different healthcare providers. <laughs> because my daughter, like I didn't, we didn't, the, uh, the income max or threshold for the Oregon, uh, children's program is pretty high. It's like 75,000 a year. And I wasn't going to hit that. So she ended up on the the children's program. So it's kind of cool. I mean, her care is totally covered. Um, I have a 10% VA disability through the army. And this year I had actually paid, we were paying for a family plan, it kind of sunk in, like, I know the VA care is not great, but also if something catastrophic had happened to us, like, that that would have been bad So, for both my wife and I. So going into 2021, I'm, I'm experimenting with, we'll have a plan for my daughter, a plan for my wife, and a plan for me through the VA, <laughs> which just seems ridiculous. But um, for me, it's just a matter of tracking it. You know, if I can track it, for my wife, I can track it for myself. And, you know, um, but this is, you know, the window has opened up. It's only the enrollment period. If you are not going through some kind of major life change, like a a job change or an addition to your family or something like that, um, is open from November 1st until December 15th so that you can have coverage in 2021. So it's something I would recommend taking a look at. One thing to be aware of is that there are a lot of sites out there that are, I don't know if they're scammy necessarily, but it feels somewhat like they're, if you're not paying attention, it can be really easy to end up on a private, uh, like health insurance aggregators site, as opposed to healthcare.gov. Like you really want to go to the .gov.gov site, and that's where you can compare the plans that are available in your in your area. There are other services out there that can help you navigate this. I just have not used them. I went straight to the .gov site because I wanted to see exactly what was available. Uh, One thing I'm also not super knowledgeable about is health shares, which 
my understanding is they are not health insurance. Um, they're somewhat like you pay into a fund and technically you're a cash patient with a doctor and then you request reimbursement from the health share, but I'm not an expert on that. What I would recommend is there's a great financial podcast that I, I like a lot called the Afford Anything Podcast. If you just go to your whatever podcaster you use and look up Afford Anything, and I'll put a link in the show notes for this as well or on YouTube. Um, they had a really good breakdown in their latest, it came out last Thursday, their latest episode about healthcare.gov, about health shares, about being self-funded. And their focus is on financial independence. So, but it still is very applicable to folks that are self-employed or for whatever reason, like you need to look into um, healthcare.gov. But that was a really good resource. And they also have a Facebook group where you can go ask questions. Granted, the people in the group are not uh, healthcare providers, um, but they are other self-employed folks or financially independent folks. So that's a really good resource, and I'll put that in the in the show notes. But um, the uh, another really good resource is the Boglehead forums, and I look I pretty much read those for all personal finance type types of advice. They're just a really good resource as well. I'll put a link um, in the show notes for that as well. So, so yeah, take a look at that. Jump on. I would jump on it sooner than later. That way, if you need to ask questions, you've got a good 45 days to do that. You don't have to close out the application immediately. So you can start the application and then as you run into things or if you run into things, you have time to think about it. One thing I will say, so I have kind of a unique situation where, you know, I have a child who does not live with us and is on my taxes every other year based on the agreement um, that I have with uh, with their mother. That created some kind of complexity in my first application that I didn't uh, quite know what to do with. And I think if you if you have somebody that you don't know if you're going to provide health insurance for them or not, I would wait to add them to your application because you can't take them off, or at least I couldn't figure out how to do it once they were on the application. So that, that was a challenge. Um, and I was worried it was going to mess up their it was going to create issues with their other healthcare provider through the other parent. So, um, so think about that. If there's any complexity there, I would wait and just put people on there that are just you. Um, so, so yeah, but definitely check out that afford anything podcast. It's a great resource in general, but this latest one about healthcare.gov was incredibly helpful. So, okay. Um, it feels good to be back in the saddle. I'm trying, I'm also doing a video version of this podcast. It will be on YouTube I want to do a lot of different things. I want to do Q and A's. I want to do interviews. I would like to do, you know, talk to a lot of different authors about just how they're making it work. A lot of different creatives. Um, I think, you know, as an author, I've learned a lot of things from other people in creative fields and we're in an industry that just changes continuously. The funding models change continuously. There are always new options. What seemed good last year could go through a change and now it's not working as well. So what are, I'm always interested to know what people are doing to both create stability for themselves, but then also how do they deal with instability in the world that we're, we're living in, right? (laughs) I'm not going to say that, you know, everybody who's creative has the same kind of mindset or uh, is the same sort of INTJ or whatever it is that I am because they're not, I know that, but we all tend do tend to sometimes have similar outlooks. And while I have potentially more business experience than some folks, uh, I can't pretend that I know everything. I don't. So 
I'm really excited to be able to kind of broaden the scope, talk to other people. I would love to answer questions or just be a resource however I can. And also I have to serve myself a little bit and this podcast will still have some diary aspects, updates, things like that uh, to help share my journey, um, you know, and my story with folks and to help make sure that I'm still tracking it, you know, because time is moving way too fast. So, so okay, goals for next week. I, I am a moderator and panelist for a brand new online convention called SFFCon that's going to be happening this weekend, the 7th and 8th. If you go to sffcon.com, there's a whole schedule there with a bunch of different authors talking about a lot of cool stuff. So I'm doing podcasting, but then also a space slash alien invasion panel that's going to be really fun. And then an AI cybernetics robotics panel. And I think that one's really going to be focused mostly on AI because the folks that I've got um, on the panel are mostly AI focused, but I think we'll have a really fun conversation. It's going to be mostly Zoom or StreamYard based is my understanding. So basically you can, if you want to watch a panel, all you got to do is go to YouTube and we'll have the links up. You can just go to YouTube watch it right there. And we'll also have the recordings available later on, but I'm excited to do this. I think it's going to be fun. It's kind of an experiment. I know other, you know, certainly other like Worldcon and some other cons have gone online. And for me, it really broadens the ability to take part in this kind of thing because I, especially with a young family, like I can't, it's not easy to go travel places and just nerd out. Um, but I can easily log in and watch something and being able to attend a con on your couch and also kind of involve my family. That, like, that's another piece of it that they miss out on the things I get to experience if I go to a con someplace and it's kind of this mystery for them. But when they get to see the people that I talk to, um, and see what I'm doing, that's really cool for me. I, I feel like that brings us all into the, you know, the project of what, what I'm up to. Um, let's see. So the main project I've got the manuscript for book one of Vagabond Space, a space opera I'm working on. Um, I've got the editor's notes on that and I'm working my way through it. I am making some not super major changes to the book, but I am definitely making changes to the book. So that's taking up a lot of time this week. And then I'm still just knocking out words on Galaxy Galaxy Sword, which is my space opera slash, I mean, I think of it as kind of like grimdark space opera um, <laughs> that has been a lot of fun to write, but I'm doing about, I don't know, 3,000 words a day on, on that one, just pushing forward. And then Wednesday, I'm going to be putting out a, sending out a newsletter for, to my list about SFF con and just a general check-in because like with most things, I've not been consistent about sending out the newsletter. And that's something I want to do once a month at least. So also something I'll be talking about going forward. Cause I kind of feel like I suck at my newsletter. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll keep you posted there. And then I've got a meeting on Wednesday as well with an author's group that I started up. Um, called the propellers because we're always trying to go forward. Right. Um, so I'll, t- I'll talk some about that too, because I think starting an author's group is something that could be really helpful to you, especially now that so many things have come online. We use zoom. We're in all parts of the country and it's been really, um, beneficial to me to have like this little tribe of folks that I can talk to and trust, especially as you know, so many groups had come together on Facebook and, I, you know, if it was not actually for the network networking that I've done on Facebook, I would have dumped Facebook a long time ago. I think if you don't use Facebook for other networking things where it's useful for you, like a lot of author groups and things I enjoy or book reading groups are on Facebook and that tends to be pretty beneficial to me. But one tip that I do with Facebook is I pretty much unfollow everything. 
um, except the things that I really want to see that I, that kind of make my day better. So people, I unfollow all the people, um, I unfollow pretty much, you know, if it looks like something's advertising to me, I unfollow that. And then the only things I actually see in my feed anymore are, uh, certain art groups that I like. So I see a lot of SF art (laughs) and, and things like that. So it's almost like Instagram when I log in, um, and even then, if I start seeing too many comments, because comments just irritate me, I'll tend to unfollow something. And then, you know, later on, if it occurs to me, oh, yeah, I wanted to look at that, I can always just go search for it and find it. But that's Facebook has just become very just not useful for me. Um, and that's something I want to figure out. Like, okay, if Facebook goes away, how do we continue to connect? Because I did get a lot of value out of Facebook at a certain period, you know, between like 2016 and I would say 2019, Facebook was really valuable. And a lot of the connections and relationships that I've built that have helped me out in the last, you know, four years, I don't know where someone would would replicate that right now. There are discord groups out there. There are some Facebook groups, but that's something I'm curious to, to talk to people about and what they think. So, okay. Uh, thank you for listening again. This has been James S. Aaron and speculative work is becoming the marathon author. And, um, I'll talk to you next week. See you later.